Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the latest episode of the Invest podcast. I am your host, head of research here at Invest, Dan Ashmore. And today I'm joined by Matthew Tuttle, who is CEO of Tuttle Capital Management. How are you doing today, Matthew? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. This should be a fun one. So um, you're, you're CEO of Total Capital Management. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but you also created the uh, infamous short Jim Cramer fund, uh, the ETF. So uh, there's lots to talk about here. But yeah, let's start with Total Capital Management and like how did all this lead to Jim Cramer? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're an ETF issuer and you know, my passion primarily is designing tools for retail investors, you know, whether they're, you know, traders actively or, you know, whether they're do-it-yourselfers. I've been on Wall Street in one way, shape or form since 1991. And the one thing that I've seen is, you know, Wall Street can be unkind to people who aren't educated. So, what I want to do is, you know, help educate people if they want to take charge of their investments, but also provide products, you know, that are maybe a little bit more innovative than, you know, kind of a lot of the stupid index stuff you see out there. Uh, you know, so that's uh, that, that's a little bit of, you know, kind of where I'm coming from on this. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty interesting. When you say like all, all these stupid indexes and stuff, um I guess they're yeah they're they're a lot of them are quite boring. But is is investing not meant to be boring? Or are you trying to make it a little more like accessible so people are more interested into it? Or it, yeah, so like, yeah, it's it? it's not that they're boring. You know, a lot of the investment products you see out there are poorly structured, unless you realize well they're structured more for marketing purposes than anything else. And you know, in in the bias, you know, in our industry is is long only long 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 long. And, you know, I get it most of the time the market goes up, but you know, you've got times like last year where stocks and bonds went down at the same time. So, you know, I really think people need to be agnostic between long and short. You know, you look at, you know, these market cap weighted indices right now that are all Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Google. And, you know, then you see a lot of these AI ETFs that are coming out, which you know, really, when you strip it down, they're just banging friends. So th there's just there's there's a lot of poorly structured products out there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, OK, so let's let's talk about Jim Cramer then. So you're saying, yeah, you think a lot of these things are poorly structured. Like, how, how does this lead then to Jim Cramer, who I assume most people listening will know him, but he's big television personality, um, kind of most famous through CNBC, I think. Uh, Perhaps the European investors won't know as much of them, but uh, yeah, huge personality in America. So how did this, uh, yeah, how did you get onto him? So there's there's really two things. One of the things I've noticed, and I've been trading my own account since the early 80s. One of the things that I've always noticed is the consensus is usually wrong. You know, people get all bold up when the market's, you know, at highs, they get all bared up when the market's at lows. And same with individual stocks. And, you know, I've always wanted a way to kind of, how do you know, how do you monetize that? And what I realized is Jim Cramer is the consensus on steroids. You know, number one, he's got to swing at every pitch. So, you know, if, if any of your viewers have the, you know, misfortune of watching his show, I mean, people are calling in, Jim, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? And, 
Yeah, I would assume he's someone like me from the standpoint of there are a group of stocks any given time I know a lot about. But you start peppering me with names, you're going to be getting names I really don't know. So what am I going to do? I'm going to look at the chart. Oh, it's going up. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Bye, bye, bye. So, you know, he's got to give you an opinion. Every once in a while, he's going to punt. But for the most part, you ask him a stock, he's got to give you an opinion. So, and, you know, and then he's got this unbelievable talent for just being epically wrong a lot. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know how he does it. It's amazing. The other piece of it is, again, I'm a big believer that, you know, investors need to be educated. So if I tell you, hey, educate yourself on finance, what are you going to do? You're going to turn on CNBC. What CNBC do? They bring out Jim Cramer every day with deference. Hey, we're going to bring Jim Cramer out. We're going to get his take. There's never any accountability. Never. Hey, Jim, we brought you out yesterday and we got your take. And if anyone traded based on it, they would have lost a lot of money. Uh, You know, never anything like that. He's always brought out as this guru. And quite honestly, that pisses me off. And so somebody's got to kind of take the other side of that and be like, no, wait, this is purely entertainment. And, you know, maybe you don't want to be going long stuff that he's saying, at least take it with a grain of salt. Maybe this guy is not the expert that CNBC is kind of playing him out to be. So, uh, yeah, you're saying he he has this talent for being epically wrong, um, <laughs> to use your words. Like, have, have you backtested it or have you gone and tracked like his performers over the years? Or um, I know this, there's so many memes about him and everyone says, you know, he's wrong. And they, they put up the tweets about, you know, I saw one recently about Sam Bankman-Fried. He was praising him like shortly before FTX went under in the crypto world. Um I think you know the one about NVIDIA recently, which has obviously popped off in the last month or so. Um, so these obviously all make headlines, um, unsurprisingly. And But is the underlying performance actually as abject as, as these imply, or has it kind of been overhyped by so, media? Or... Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people who tested it out and, you know, come up with eye-popping numbers. The problem is, you know, he'll tell you, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. But unless you call him up or, you know, it's one of the Kramer faves, as he calls it, you know, he's not going to tell you when to get out of something. So, you know, theoretically, you could call up Mad Money, give him a stock. He could say, bye, bye, bye. And, you know, all right, if I'm testing that, you know, when, when do I sell it? And, you know, so it could be a stock that two months from now craters. Was that a bad call? Was it not a bad call? You know, so it's hard to discern there. And then, you know, sometimes it's not obvious. You know, every once in a while, or most of the time when you ask him about something, he's going to push the buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. But he doesn't always do it. And so sometimes you've got to make a judgment call. You know, hey, was he just positive about that name or not? So, yeah, I've seen numbers that look eye-popping. I think it's problematic backtesting it. The way I look at it, I mean, this is a a trading vehicle. So, I mean, right now he's on the Magnificent Seven, seven stocks that have run our market up, where if you take them out of the indices, you know, the market is flat. And I think those stocks are going to be the drivers going forward. They may be longs, they may be shorts, 
So 50% of, you know, our long gym portfolio, L gym is long those names. 50% is short those names. And, you know, they are going to move one way or the other. So we prefer to look at it more like that. I, okay. And this kind of leads me into one big curiosity I have. So you're saying, yeah, um, makes perfect sense. You know, he says, bye, bye, bye. But it's obviously not a super, it, it, he's on television. And he's kind of saying these things, but it's not very clear when he's buying and selling these stocks. So how do you decide in the ETF, like when you guys buy or do you buy and hold, do you rebalance? Like how, how do, does the logistics work here when you're not, it's not like a formal, you know, list of buy and sell orders that's coming out. It's kind of hard to discern sometimes. Yeah. So what I want is I want a concentrated portfolio first off. So I want 20 names. And we have been <clears throat> watching him religiously. Hold on. We've been watching him religiously now, you know, all year. So we know the so-called Kramer faves. So we're keeping track of that. You know, the, the ones he's talking about all the time. Like, you know, NVIDIA, you know, we, we always joke that you could have a drinking game anytime, you know, Kramer mentions Jensen Wong, you take a drink. And, you know, most mornings you'd be wasted before the market even opens. Uh, <laughs> you know, Mark Zuckerberg, say you could do almost the same thing. You know, Apple. So, you know, is his favorites. So we want to be positioned long or short in his favorite names. And, you know, if he adds a new favorite, then, you know, we will look at adding that in and, and taking something out. But so, you know, it's, it's not, you know, the activity depends on, you know, how often his favorites are, are changing. And, you know, we're looking, you know, how many times does he mention something? So again, you know, Apple, NVIDIA, you know, last night he talked a mad money about the Magnificent Seven. He talked about him Thursday. I think he talked about him on Friday. So, you know, that's why those names make up half the portfolio at this point. Right. And and so let's talk performance here. Like since you since you guys launched it, so you, you launched a long gym and a short gym, right? And it was it was March, I think. Um so since March, I think S P was about four thousand by then. So it's it, it's been it's been good for the market recently. Like how have yeah, so the Raymer portfolio is done. Yeah, the long gym has done very well because Jim's been right about NVIDIA. You know, he's been right about the mega cap tech. Um, you know, that doesn't, to me, invalidate the strategy in any way, shape or form. You know, he's a momentum guy. And sometimes you see momentum get extended like that, which is why we have both sides of it. And, you know, S Jim is, is, has been down a bit since inception because the same thing. We've been shorting NVIDIA, Apple, Meta, you know, all of those names. But again, that's why we want to have both sides. Sometimes the momentum keeps going, which, you know, we've seen here. And, you know, other times you hit a top and, and then you have an epic fall. Okay. And and I, I, I want to like talk a bit because you said earlier, it, it sort of, you know, pisses you off when retail investors get, uh, I don't want to say misled, but is in a lot of hype about the market. And, you know, like I've, I've done a lot of work around, um, you know, building models, kind of showing the the strength of passive management and kind of blocking all this noise out. You, you know, like everybody knows the efficient market hypothesis. And I've kind of said, look, if you're not sophisticated in the market, the best thing is the most boring thing. And it's just to buy an index fund and go, you know, forget about it and work, work in your current job. Um, so like 
Jim Cramer is a personality, right? He, he's in entertainment. He's probably first and foremost that. Like, can you elaborate a bit on, yeah, what kind of pisses you off about the demeanor? And is it is it part of a wider problem, do you think, in media, like targeting? Like we saw, especially during COVID, you know, the rise of the whole Robin Hood craze. And we saw the GameStop and, you know, where... He, I think, you know, a few people make a lot of money and then a lot of people lose money, um, which sometimes, you know, can be a problem, especially as portrayed. Like, yeah, do you, do you want to kind of elaborate on what annoys you about this this whole thing a bit? Yeah, so the problem is that the news, whether it's financial news or, you know, the normal news, you know, now being basically 24 hours a day is purely just entertainment. Um, and you know, the media makes money based on advertising. Look at who the advertisers are. So that really drives everything. So you get a guy like Jim on, not because he's this great market guru who's making great calls. Jim is entertaining, um, for some people, you know, I, I, again, I watch mad money every single day. It's, it's tough, but you know, some people find that entertaining um, and that's the problem. So they're constantly getting things wrong. They have people who are booking guests on shows, not based on, hey, we want to get this guy on because he's doing so great. I mean, you've got bookers who are in their early 20s. You know, they don't know. Uh, you've got people asking questions. Sometimes, you know, people who have a lot of knowledge. Other times, I mean, you've got journalists. So, you know, I think there's a lot there that's biased a lot there that's misleading. And, you know, you're starting to see a little bit and, you know, and people have credited me for this. I don't really care whether it was me or not, but like, you know, on the morning show, you're seeing David Faber start asking Jim, you know, some tougher questions um, and, you know, and going at him a bit, just a bit, but, you know, and, and, and if we cause that, that's great. You know, I want people asking questions. It's not just, hey, we're going to bring Jim on. Here's Jim's take. Oh, because Jim said it, it's going to happen. Yeah, that that's kind of fascinating, actually. It, it's something, yeah, it, it bothers me a little bit as well when there's a lack of accountability. And you see it, you know, Twitter is, is great for it as well. Like people are always, you know, ad advertising their wins, yet their, their losses just mysteriously never get brought up again. But let's talk about the interest in these funds. Like, have there been a lot of inflows? Like, the, the, they've obviously made a, they've made a bit of stir in even mainstream media. And you know, I, I think Jim Cramer himself has, has referenced them. Um, but yeah, have you, has there been much interest in the investing world? So it, it depends. We've gotten a lot of volume, but it's been one, two, three, four, five share blocks. And so you know, I think a lot of people are looking at it more as a novelty item. Uh, than really what we wanted it to be, which was, you know, trading vehicles. Basically, you know, we're, we're long or we're short the hottest stocks out there. And, you know, if you want to go long, buy the L gym, you want to go short, buy the S gym. And, but yeah, and, and I get it because Jim Cramer and short Jim Cramer is a meme. People are looking at it as a type of thing like, hey, yeah, I got to have five shares of this versus, you know, hey, this is a way to take a, you know, take a position on whatever's hot, long or short, if I'm a trader. And, you know, me yeah. being a trader myself, that's how I always look at things. 
you know, I'm coming in with an, every day with an opinion, uh, you know, looking at things in real time and, you know, deciding what positions I want to take. And that's kind of how I design these. But I think people are looking at it again more as a novelty. Yeah, that, I guess that's not overly surprising. But w would you say, like, okay, yeah, it can be an anti-momentum play or, or a pro-momentum play, depending on which way you go. But would you say there's better vehicles through which to, you know, put those ideas into conviction? Um, no. So what, what, what I love about these products is that they're constantly changing. So, you know, for example, we've, we've got an ETF here that's supposedly a momentum ETF. And it rebalances twice a year. So all year up until now, it's been in like energy stocks and value stocks because the last time it rebalanced, that was hot. It missed this entire mega cap rally. To me, that is eminently stupid to have a momentum fund that rebalances twice a year. Theoretically, we could be adding and subtracting names every single day based on what's going on. So to me, Jim Cramer is the perfect vehicle for being invested long or short, whatever happens to be hot at the moment. And, and so, so what, what does Jim Cramer think of all this? Because like, I think I, I saw a tweet, if I'm not mistaken, where he said, you know, he welcomes people betting against him. And I, I think it was in reference to, to your ETF. Like, oh, has, yeah, he, has he spoken yeah, to yeah, him directly? So, <laughs> yeah. So when we filed, for the ETF, he sent a tweet saying, this is the last thing I'll ever say, which it wasn't. He said a lot. Um, you know, we did the long side, but, you know, the media picked up on the short side and every article you read, you know, the last paragraph. Oh, by the way, there's a long one also. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I and I get it. And, you know, and I don't blame that. So, yeah, I think he was a little bit pissed off. Uh, the interesting thing is we launched on a Thursday. Jim takes a lot of vacation, but when he does, he takes vacation Monday to Friday. The day we launched, he was on vacation. Um, he has not mentioned it at all. I also know the guy who writes the ETF newsletter for CNBC. He mentions everything else I do. He has not mentioned this. I am told that they have decided internally they don't want to talk about this at all because they're extremely frightened by it. But yeah, and and I get it because you know they understand. I mean, I've been come, I've had people who work at CNBC privately come up to me and say, "Hey, look, don't tell anyone this, but you know, thumbs up, good job." So you know, I think they know. And, you know, if we enter a period, which we will, where SGM is really doing well from a performance standpoint, you know, that looks bad. So I think, you know, instead of embracing it and having a debate, which is what I kind of hoped and why we did both sides, I think they've just decided we're going to ignore it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, or... There's no, uh, all publicity is good publicity in, in a certain respect, but yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, and, but yeah, like we keep saying, I don't think there's any problem with accountability. If you're on TV giving financial advice, you know, that's going to affect people. So, um, yeah, I can, I, I fully it, see. It, it should be there. I mean, you know, if yeah. S Jim has a month where we're up 10%, you know, I, I should be talking to Kramer about like, you know, dude, why are you, you know, why are these your face <laughs> right now? 
And, you know, why are you telling people to keep buying this stuff? And same thing. I mean, if Elgin is kicking butt, let, let, let's talk about that. I mean, let's talk about the Magnificent Seven and how well they're doing. Yeah, I, I would love to see an episode where you and Jim are debating either Elgin or SGIM. Um, that'll be that'll be some watch. So what, what other ETFs do you launch? Do you have other novelty ones or is this just your only novelty one or... Yeah, no, that. so we um, we recently filed for a 2X long and a 2X short on ARC, a bunch of the different ARC funds, so Kathy Wood stuff. We also just filed for 2X long, 2X short, Tesla and NVIDIA. Um, and we, we've got some other stuff. We're about, hopefully this week, about to be filing for something extremely controversial that is oh. likely to to piss off a whole lot of people. But, you know, I think it's, you know, another theme that we need to get out there and, you know, and people need to talk about. And if no one's going to talk about it, then I might as well be the guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, hopefully that, you know, that filing will come out this week. And I mean, I can't really talk about it until after it launches, but once the filing is out there, I can mention it. Oh, I'm, I'm so curious now. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, there'll be links in the description for anyone listening. It might be might be out by the time you guys listen to this. Um, so what, 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 let's talk about the market a bit. What, what, what are your overall thoughts on the market? Like, you're, you know, you're talking kind of you're you're throwing out a lot of products here that are very, you know, these big retail names, Tesla, Arc, like all the the, the ones that fill the news. Um, are you kind of so, yeah, we've, we've gone through obviously a relentless 10 year long bull run and then longer even and then you know last year was pretty brutal the s&p shaved back 20 percent, and now you know we've had this big rally since since the start of the year like wh wh where do you stand now at this kind of uh i i feel like it's such a such a weird moment right now you know inflation's still high it's it's like is the fed pausing it's inflation's high but it's way down from what it was and we're at this weird moment where nobody really knows where the fed's pausing you know it seems like they will but you know, they're, they're saying one thing and yeah. What, what are your overall thoughts on, on the state of the market right now? So weird is, is a good thought. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've never seen anything like this. You know, people are equating it to the dot-com bubble. It's not the dot-com bubble. In the dot-com bubble, you saw a bunch of stocks that without the dot-com bubble were zeros, you know, going mm -hmm. up. And then when the bubble burst, you know, most of those companies are no longer with us. Now you're seeing, again, the, the Magnificent Seven. Those are real companies, regardless of whether you have AI or not. So you strip AI out. Yeah, their stock prices go down, but none of those companies are zeros. So you can't really equate it to that. You also know, you know, AI is going to change the world. In, in a lot of different ways. So you've got this weird dichotomy where, yes, these names are all extended. They need to pull back a little bit. You look at everything non-AI and it looks like we're in a bear market and it looks like those types of names are screaming recession. Um, you've got the Fed saying pause, not pivot. People are still expecting rate increases. People are still expecting recession. People are still expecting higher rates. So you've got this weird situation that, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to make a long-term view on it. I'm playing it day by day. So right now I'm, I'm looking for buying opportunities and value stocks, you know, consumer staples, industrial metals, 
gold miners, silver miners, uh, defense stocks, you know, things that have not participated in the rally, but are now starting to curl up. I'm avoiding the Magnificent Seven. And, yeah, I'll see when they consolidate. And then maybe I'll look to go long. Maybe I'll look to go short right now. Not looking to do anything there. Uh, I do believe commercial real estate and regional banks could collapse even more. But, you know, it's tough shorting those names right now. So, yeah, I mean, we're in this we're in this really weird period. I can't imagine we have the same rally in the second half of the year that we saw in the first. So if you said, hey, Matt, you got to give me a long term opinion, it'd be bearish. But, you know, that, that I mean, that, that could change at any minute. This this is stuff that nobody has ever seen before. And you've just got to be careful both ways. Yeah, it's, it's a good way to describe it. And, you know, like uh, I, I was looking at the the probabilities, you know, if, if you back them out from Fed futures this morning on on what we're looking at for, I think it's June 14th is the next meeting. And they were saying 75% chance of no hike and a, and a 25% chance of a hike. So, you know, it's still a very much a non-zero chance that we do get more hikes. Uh, how, how much do you think this whole thing rests on what the Fed does and you know, it, those inflation it, it's, numbers coming it's in? It's huge with what the Fed does. You know, this whole a lot of this bull market we've seen over the past, you know, since 2009 has been Fed driven. And, you know, and, and they've created a bubble and basically they've created, you know, a market that's addicted to, you know, Fed policy, which is not healthy. And, you know, if they really do pull back, if they really tighten, if they hang on this 2%, you know, inflation target, I think it could get really, really ugly. On the other hand, if they move the goalposts, say, yeah, all right, we'd love to see 2% inflation, but, you know, we're, we're, we're not, you know, that's not going to be policy anymore. We'll let it be a little bit higher. And they, you know, they stop raising interest rates or they lower them again then, you know, this market, you know, roars back up. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the world we live in. That's the world these guys have created. And I don't know how they unhook the market from now. The biggest thing that's important is what the Fed is doing because it's not healthy. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, well, the big issue is, yeah, the lag effects and monetary effects. Like we've had one of the swiftest hiking rate cycles in, in recent memory were down north of five percent from being pretty much zero so you know there'll still be shakeout I, I would imagine um but it's interesting like when you say if they do shift off that target they'd also then be the central bank that failed in terms of like the central bank's number one priority is meant to be inflation so i don't know what there's if there's like political ramifications or whatever there too um but yeah it's it's the, the whole thing is kind of a funny environment right now um but it's it, it's interesting to hear that you're uh somewhat bearish long term but i think uh yeah ca cautious probably better way to describe it definitely um, cautious i mean you know i'm a big believer you look for the fat pitches and you know a couple months ago the fat pitches were short regional banks you know short commercial real estate then long mega caps right now i i just i i don't see where the fat pitch is so, you know, I'm nibbling on the long side on stuff coming off bottoms, but I've got no great conviction on doing that. 
you know, I'm, I'm only doing it because, you know, you got to do something. And, you know, the vast majority of my money is in treasuries earning 5%. To me right now, that's the fat pitch. Treasury wants to give me 5%. All right, I'll take it. Yeah, you know, that's actually a really good way to finish because it kind of circles the whole way back. It's like, it's almost a... Uh... It's a shame some sometimes the way it's actually unusual to hear someone say, you know, I don't have a lot of conviction. It's okay not to have, you know, a crazy hot take every single day, which is, is sort of like what I think of Jim Cramer sometimes when it's it's always a really strong opinion one way or the other. It's okay every now and then to just do the boring thing and, and wait out and go, you know, I don't really know right now. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that 5% on, on the team or, or whatever it is. Um but yeah, uh, Matthew Tuttle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, there'll be links in the description to any listeners who want to check out all the ETFs over there or the, the long gym, short gym ETFs you got going. And um, yeah, appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me.